0: Eeny Meeny Miney Moe, known for and famous for catching a tiger by his toe. Nobody thinks much about it, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why Eeny Meeny Miney Moe is secretly incredibly fascinating. Hey there, folks. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm very much not alone. I'm joined by my co-host, Katie Golden. Katie, hello. Hello. And she's saying that quick because we are so excited about two wonderful guests joining us today. Ella Hubber and Caroline Roper both hold advanced scientific degrees. They also do wonderful scientific communication all over the internet, including on their podcast, Let's Learn Everything, a wonderful Maximum Fun podcast, our buddies. Welcome to the show. Ella, say hello first.
1: Hello. Thank you for having us. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Caroline, your turn. Say hello.
1: <gasps> hello. Same again. I'm just
2: like so buzzing for this.
3: <laughs> <laughs> May I ask what... What flavour of science uh, is your specialties?
2: Oh, such a good question. Yeah. You go, Caroline. Yours is more interesting. Thanks. Uh, So I (laughs) have a master's in biodiversity conservation. Uh, I mostly focused on working with amphibians in that time, but I'm currently working for a bird charity here in the UK. So I'm a bit all over the place with the animals.
3: (laughs) I'm a fan.
0: Hold on. A bird charity. Katie here is at ProBird Rights on Twitter. Are, you, are right. you both just working for bird rights all of the time?
3: Of course all of not. collusion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was
2: too like honest with that answer, apparently. It was just like, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Katie's more sneaky about it.
0: <laughs> awesome. And Ella, how about you?
1: Yeah, my flavor of science is biomedical science. I did a PhD Ooh. in stem cell biology. Yeah. Okay. So I love. Yeah, Ella's like the minutia of it's the really human weird. body. Yeah, Very cool. I am a doctor, and you should, and everyone
3: should refer to me as such. <laughs> okay, because I've been having this knee thing. Uh, do you know anything right. about
1: that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know everything about that.
3: Thank you. I uh, I can't, I'm the... not going to say any more. <laughs> I just wanted yeah. the validation. <laughs> yeah,
0: I I find that whenever it rains, I get this twingy feeling in my stem cells. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to figure out why really, that is. Really, really or...
1: common. Really common.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's also cool. And, and also, Katie and I had an absolutely wonderful time guesting on your podcast with y'all. And also, Tom Lum, who's so great. Uh, it's it's such a good show. I, I hope people go hear it if they have not already. It's it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll, on on that, I'll just say if you haven't heard, let's learn everything. You should come over and listen to the episode that Alex and Katie. Guested on, which was about birds in space it was wonderful birds it in space. So space and, and <laughs> produced one of my all-time favorite videos of the quails in space <laughs> to, to like yeah. operatic music amazing
2: i don't know if you've heard the like ask a man how often he thinks about the roman empire trend that's been going on <laughs> tiktok yes. right now i feel like Quails in space is my Roman Empire. Yeah, yeah. Like every day I'm thinking about that video. <laughs> yeah.
3: I think about those zero-grav little chicks uh, pretty constantly too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and this episode today, it will get very scientific toward the end and be Ooh, mm-hmm. possibly one of our least scientific episodes at the beginning. So I thought that would nice. be very Ooh. fun for this group.
3: You know, I like it kind of a science gradient.
0: Yeah, it'll increasingly at the end. So, science.
3: We crank uh, up the science slowly but surely. Like, f- like frogs in a pot of water.
1: Exactly. Is it, is it frogs you put in or crabs? It's frogs. It's, yeah. It's frogs.
3: It's yeah, frogs. Crabs
1: just die.
2: Unless you're making oh. a gumbo, then I
3: think it is crabs. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> Depends what your end result is, really.
0: Well, and this topic, many of our topics are selected by listeners, and they have selected eeny, meeny, miny, moe as a topic, the whole children's (laughs) rhyme. And thank you to listener Tongue Surgery on the Discord. They go by Tongue Surgery. You. uh, Sorry, For that fun idea. (laughs) (laughs) But we always start by our relationship to to the topic or opinion of it. So, Caroline or Ella, either of you can start, but but I thought I'd start with you. How do you feel about eeny, meeny, miny, moe?
1: What I know about eeny, eeny, meeny, miny, moe is you use it for picking things, right? Between two things normally or yeah. a few things. But you can always do it so that you can select what you want. You can always extend yeah, right. Out right. the rhyme for as long as yes. possible. <laughs> eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch a tiger by its toe. If it hollers, let it go. You are not it. Oh, but maybe you are it. I'm just going yeah. to <laughs> keep on going until I get my choice. <laughs>
3: Also, there's there's shenanigans you can do with sort of doing a little bit of a double point with oh, a word. Yeah. I've never trusted it. It is not yeah. a fair and equitable system of selecting. I've always not, hated it. I've always been suspicious of it. Um, suspicious. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Maybe this is good because, like, if you're struggling
2: to choose between something. It validates all of those feelings. If you're yeah. disappointed about your choice, then you're like, oh, well, then I must go for this one. If you're feeling positive, then it's all, it's all worked out fine.
3: <laughs> I just remember on the playground right. when we were using it for games and stuff, I always demanded a recount because I didn't trust it.
0: <laughs> this, this is so validating. I felt the exact same way as a kid, but I never talked to anybody about it. I just thought <laughs> this was like the system. So you can't complain.
1: We were all going through this horrible internal torment as children. Yeah. Not being selected <laughs> for Meenie Meenie Miney Moe. And it's finally coming to the surface.
2: All is of our this pain. all just because we weren't picked? Is that what it is? <laughs> Are we all doing okay? <laughs> this is like group therapy.
3: It's our first encounter with nepotism, right? You have some kind of system that pretends yeah. to be objective then you realize it is not and one can bend the rules of the system to select their preferred candidate and that's you know i think that is it's something to learn as a child of like wait a minute you can pretend like a system is equitable and yet it is not yeah that is a good point
1: but you don't know how to express that as a child <laughs>
3: <laughs> except going it's not it's just- fair it's not
2: yet, fair. Life's not fair. <laughs> I'm being told that as like a six-year-old and it's like, no, <laughs> this is wrong.
0: <laughs> right. As kids, we just complain. We can't be like, mother, father, consider the topic of justice. Like, like we, don't, we yeah. don't have any
2: <laughs>
0: profound ways of expressing all this. <laughs>
2: the other thing about Eeny, Meeny, Meeny, Moe My, is that it feels like it makes no sense to me because do tigers... Do tigers have toes? Is that what those digits are? like? Tigers
1: definitely have toes.
3: Or are they fingers? Or are they just claws? They've got toe beans and therefore they have toes. Oh, they do
2: have they toe do. beans.
3: Yeah. Have yeah. you tried to
2: grab a tiger's toe beans? I feel like that's not going to end no.
3: well for you. <laughs> uh, in addition to it being unethical, I like having my face arranged as it is <laughs> currently. <laughs> Like being attached to my head, namely. That's so valid. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so this week, if, if folks know the show, there is usually a stats and numbers section. This topic is kind of not statistical or numerical, really. And so <laughs> even though it's a counting rhyme, uh, we're going to do just huge takeaways and really explore all those questions of why is it about tigers and what does any of the words mean? Because it turns out there's like theories about it in folklore and more.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: So we're starting with mega takeaway number one. Eeny meeny miny mo has unclear origins, probably rooted in a centuries-old tradition of counting out rhymes. Ah. Like the the exact specifics are unclear, but it turns out there's about a bajillion. I guess you'd call them lyrics. Like the words vary a whole bunch over time. And it was all basically in order to do counting out a rhythm with words that feel fun.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that it's not, we don't know the origin because I feel like Mm. these things are passed, they're, they're passed in the playground from person to person. And if you're saying centuries old, then how could we possibly trace this properly? But do you have any examples of other versions of it then?
0: Yeah, uh, there's some fun, weird folklorist work. And this is, I said this was like the unscientific end. Very few people have studied this topic. So we're really drawing on one of the only people to say, I am an academic scholar and I'm looking at Eeny, Meeny, miny, mo, which is thrilling to me. It's weird.
3: I
1: am a rhymologist. Right. <laughs> Imagine the title of that PhD thesis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and the the key sources here are a piece for the Paris Review by poet and researcher Adrian Raphael, and then additional coverage by NPR. The main scholarly study of Eeny Meeny Miney Mo is by an English couple who were married folklorists named Iona oh. and Peter Opie.
3: Mm. That's, adorable is, cool it, they sound so <gasps> cute in love and very nerdy uh-huh uh-huh i can't imagine the sweaters that they wear and they look adorable in my brain <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: i have to tell you guys a very quick anecdote here because I, this reminded yeah. me i'm i met a couple they were a kind of older couple who that they were both archaeologists and uh they did it in their free time. They had studied archaeology, but they didn't. But in their free time, they went out to a quarry near where they lived and dig and dug around for fossils. Together, they found a big like reserve of f- like four hundred million year old fossils. Together, wow! Just in, like Aww. as like a couple's hobby that they were
3: doing. <laughs> and a power were couple, just, brushing together. together. So cute. They were so nice imagine the patience too like you have to really be in love to be able to like sit next to each other using little instruments and brushes yeah. like with yeah uh, with like archaeology it's just like like brush 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 like for hours and hours and hours because it's you know that you have to be careful
1: yeah and these are microscopic fossils as well oh so my god it's even wow. and i went back to their house and their house is just full of boxes on every surface of fossils, of these like ancient fossils. It was amazing. And they were so fun and cool. So I think there's something about like these niche studies that brings in like strange individuals like this together. I mean that in the best way.
0: <laughs> yeah, that th- this is a very sweet thing. Like they spent their career compiling the Oxford Dictionary of Nursery Rhymes. You know oh, what I mean? Like wow. that's a that's a fun thing to do. And, for them, it's and a fun so, thing
3: to do. Yes. Yeah. I yeah not for me.
0: I can do do. But they their work plus other folklorist work it gives us a general origin theory for "Eeny, meeny, Miney, moe," especially because when the Opies sought out local versions, they found dozens of variations. Like that mm. same rhythm, but all kinds of different words. And so we're going to go through different mm. varieties from the 50s and 60s. Hmm. Uh, here comes Ooh. the first one. Hana, mana, Mona, Mike. Barcelona, Bona, Strike. Hair, wear, frown, vanack. Harico werico, wee, woe, whack.
3: Oh, wow. <laughs> I like that version. It's got a Barcelona in there, too. Yeah, the city,
0: the city of Barcelona comes up a lot in these for some reason, and I think it's just nonsense. Yeah. I think people just like the sound of Barcelona. Yeah.
3: It is a good-sounding city. That is more a more
1: fun version, though, I yeah. think.
0: Yeah. Another one here is Ina Mina Mina Mo Kraka, Fina Fina Fo, Uppa Nucha Papa Tucha yeah. Ring Ding Dang Do
1: Uppa Nucha Papa Tucha? Ooh, I like
3: that one. It's, got, it's a little <gasps> bit
1: jazzy, isn't it? It's it like is. a little bit, maybe
3: like a bit scatty? A little bit ska, yeah, a little bit yeah. ska, a little bit ska. <laughs>
0: If listeners just want to keep rewinding this part and like vibe out to it, you know, you're welcome. It's cool. Yeah.
3: I just like I also invite remixes of that one. I I do like that (laughs) sometimes humans just like to mash words together that it's not that the meanings of the words make any sense together. We just like the mouth sounds that come out of us when they're smooshed together like that. Just kind of having an interesting Mouth salad of words.
1: Yeah, isn't it? It feels doesn't. Don't you think it feels satisfying in your mouth yeah. to do that? Like it's like, mm, yeah, yeah. For people who can't see me right now, I'm just moving my jaw around a lot. But in a satisfying. It way. It really is
3: too bad <laughs> that they can't see. You.
0: <laughs> yeah, I as I say these, I feel like I'm sort of hogging it. I'm gonna drop another one in the chat here, and if anybody wants to do the next one, go for it. Because it's fun.
3: Can we do it in can we do it all three? Let's try to do it all at once. Uh, <laughs> oh. The delay
1: might oh, not help like, of this, but bad idea. No, we
3: can totally do it. I'm confident in this. I'm uh, gonna go three, two, one, and then we try to do it okay. all at once, and it's gonna sound great. <laughs> okay, ready? Okay, yeah, perfect. Three, two, one. Eni, my, Barcelona, Eggs, eggs, butter, eggs, butter, cheese, butter, cheese bread, bread sticks, stick, stack, stack, stone, stone dead. dead.
1: Yay. That I gave so up halfway through. Much. You guys all <laughs> sounded perfectly in sync to me. I assume that we we're all having the same issue there.
3: Oh, that we'll was fix it in beautiful. post.
2: It'll
1: all be fixed in post. <laughs> I don't like this one as much.
0: Yeah, it's sort of a shopping eggs, list. Eggs,
1: butter, cheese, bread. Yeah, stick, stick, stone.
3: Yeah, it does have stone dead in there with cheese and bread, which is an unpleasant association. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Alex, was there something to these? All seem like kind of keeping time, counting rhymes. Wow. Um, Yeah. Were these used to kind of like keep track of uh, time periods, or were they used to count things? Like, did it have a practical application?
2: Yeah, is it like the number of beats in it? So it was just like one, two, three, four, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, and once you've like hit the end of the song, you know you've counted a certain number of things. That's my initial thought. With that, like
3: doing anyway. a one, a two, a skibbity diddy doo.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that was lovely.
3: <laughs> right,
0: I forgot to say all three of you are wonderful science communicators and professional scat people. Oh yeah. <laughs> No, that uh, yeah, Caroline, that theory is the Opie's theory. Yeah, the the like this this didn't start as a randomization thing. This did, probably didn't even start with children. It's probably something that started with regular working people, and ah. and quoting the Paris Review here, "Eeny meeny" traces its ancestry to an ancient British counting system, the anglo cumric score. Across northern England and southern Scotland, a set of numerals exists for specific ritual purposes. Shepherds use it to count sheep, women to keep track of knitting, fishermen to harvest their catch. Peasants knew the system for centuries as Yantan Tethera, end quote.
1: So for two things there, British people, what are you doing? Too complicated, unnecessary. <laughs> just count <laughs> oh no you
2: see I firmly disagree because like I'm I'm a big crocheter and every day oh. I question my ability to count because yes. of crochet big same and here maybe maybe a song like this could help yeah. me catch my stitches as I'm going
3: rather than re-
2: relying on my ability to do any maths
3: yeah no I totally agree I'm also a crocheter and when I'm counting the stitches I can't just count them. I have to count them by twos. And what's really interesting is I feel like it becomes a song in my head. Like it has a rhythm. So if I go beyond ten and twenty, then it's like thirty two, four, six, eight, and then I go forty, yeah. you know forty. so it's like because mm-hmm. otherwise the added syllables are too much. It messes with the rhythm of it of it. So like having that rhythm, yeah, that musicality of it really helps me keep track of what I'm counting, which I think is so fascinating about the human brain that we aren't necessarily great at just keeping huge numbers in our head or memorizing long strings. But what we can do is memorize things or strings of information once we've formed an association with that information, whether that's in rhyme, whether it's a mnemonic device. It's like we are really good at taking a lot of information, compacting it into like a nested little box, and then Hmm. just remembering that box.
1: Okay. Uh, You know what? You've convinced me, Katie. That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of reminds me of um, when you do CPR, you're supposed to do it to like staying alive. It's yes. like the, on the yeah. beat that's, so i guess I, yeah. I i do know that and i would use that but just quickly alex did what did you say the it was anglo what
0: anglo cumric score and cum cumric is my attempt to pronounce c y m r i c you might know better being in wales what's going on there
1: it's, well, that's, yeah. it's well, that's <laughs> big old Welsh. yeah it's welsh welsh yeah <laughs> <laughs> cumric is probably okay
2: Come,
1: come, rig. Yeah. Wales in Welsh is Cumry, so there you go. Yeah. Oh, okay. and, Welsh you go. Cum, and Welsh is Cum and Welsh is Cumrig.
0: Yeah, we really don't get a lot of exposure to Welsh in the US. We miss out. No, it.
1: very few people do. Honestly, Neither do we. Yeah. I've just yeah. started Welsh lessons, which is why I'm thinking about it.
3: <laughs> really? <No way. laughs> cool. I didn't know you were doing that. That's really cool. Yeah. I just like it because it sounds like you named a dog Rick, and you're like, "Come, Rick." it's a weird name for a dog the welsh people will be deeply offended
1: (laughs) (laughs) actually let me show you quickly i have this book teach your cat welsh Wow!
2: Oh, I am what so not activity. shocked by this book existing so. or by you having it. That's fantastic. <laughs> How do you say pss-ps-ps-ps in Welsh?
1: <laughs> you say pss-ps-ps with a Welsh accent.
2: But, oh, I was going to say you just put like lots of "ys" in there for <laughs> no reason. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah right. Well, the, uh, the "i" would be a
3: why, Yeah. Space, 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 space. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And this, this really comes from, if this theory is right, sort of the center of the island of Britain there, like top of England, edge of Wales, bottom of Scotland. And mm. and yeah, apparently they think there's a potential earliest version, which is a slightly different rhythm, too. But it starts with Yantan mm. Tethera.
1: I've and heard the first... that. Really? really? In what context? I've heard someone do something like that. I think it was probably someone Scottish.
0: Mm. That would make sense, yeah. Oh, as, a,
1: as like a counting beat thing. Oh, okay.
0: Could be still around. And all these versions apparently have still been around. We're a little bit of a monoculture now in 2023, and Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Moe is more and more common. But, mm. but the oldest version went Yan, Tan, Tethera, methera Pimp. Sethera a hothera duvera dick yandick tandick tetherdick dick bumfit yana bumfit tana bumfit tethera bumfit pethera bumfit giggert
3: Now you're just naming Harry Potter characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can or you Star um, Wars. Yeah, cuz
2: it it sounds like it kind of sounds like Counting with numbers and then, like, similar endings, like 9, yeah. 19, 29.
1: You get that same little ending each time. I've, I say because pimp is five in Welsh, and that's mm. the, the fifth thing you said. So oh, <laughs> it, okay. this is not Welsh counting, but I wonder if there's some, like, root there. Sort of a yeah, schmilch.
3: Yeah. A schmilch language. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys, tag, tag yourself. I'm bumfit. Right, <laughs> I'm
1: I'm methodic for sure. Uh, I was vibing with Giggert for sure. Oh Giggert's yeah, Giggert's a good one, definitely Alex. a Giggert.
0: Yeah, Giggert really swings in at the end there. I agree. It, it really uh,
2: does. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Ella, this is amazing. You're in Wales, that are learning Welsh this time. So well, uh, it's going great because because Eeny, meeny, mighty mo, or Yantan, tethera or any variation, it's both really rooted in people's language, and then outside it. It it can be, you know, centuries ago, a lot of people who are not literate, who maybe have little or no education, are learning this thing, and it's just because the counting is fun. And then that has even let it kind of cross over into other places with other languages. Apparently, there was a French version that begins, une mine man mo, and then (laughs) a Danish version beginning... (laughs) <laughs> Enne, mene, ming, mang. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but, but this, just the activity of the counting, it makes it mm-hmm. sort of independent of language, even though people will agree on words for it.
2: Yeah. My German teacher, when I was learning German at school, taught me the German version of eeny, meeny, Mini mo," And it is Ooh. still like, it, not accurate, but it is still in my head. And I can <laughs> maybe say it, eeny, meeny, miney, mister... Oh, no. Can I remember it? Eeny, meeny, miny, mister. <laughs> something by the kister. You know what? No, I'm not even going to try it. But yeah, that Any that meeny, miny, miny, mister part stayed in my head forever, which I think is really funny that like it's so oh, similar wow. to ours,
3: like it travels that language barrier. Yeah. It sounds so much like Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater had a wife but couldn't keep her. Oh.
0: Yeah. This, this is such a human activity. We're like, how do mm. I just speak in rhythms and feel nice about it and get that vibe?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Why do we love that so much? We're not
0: birds.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Not all of us. But this is what's really interesting. And Caroline, maybe you can back me up on this. But like birds are, I think in terms of their linguistic abilities, are one of the animals that are the most similar to humans, like even including primates birds love rhythm they love rhythm and humans love rhythm it's such an interesting thing that seems to come from having a linguistic structure Ooh,
2: that's interesting you've just made me think of like talking about humans as a whole and just you've made me think about how difficult it can be to make some of the sounds that we make which why a lot of animals don't make these noises why birds can be pretty good at it because they can mimic those sounds but also like across different languages there are sounds that, like, people from certain countries who've learnt certain languages can make that, say, us yes. as English speakers wouldn't be able to make. And I wonder then how different these, like, rhythm-based songs, rhymes, would then be in other countries oh, as well, you know? Well,
1: yeah, what I want to know is, Do uh, you know, the clicking language, I, which oh, I can't yeah, pronounce yeah, yeah. properly That what it's actually called. But that I... I wonder what if they have a version of Inimini Moe, How that would go? That would,
2: right? That's yeah, so, so interesting. If this yeah. is something that has cropped up in different places, you know, do their versions of it sound similar to us, or are they completely different and possibly something that we wouldn't be able to replicate?
1: Oh, that would be, that would be really <laughs> I just, cool. I just googled "cosa Mini Moe and I got there. There aren't any good matches for your search on Google. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Surely. (laughs) You've gone too far, Ella. You got you guys have a Discord server, right?
0: We do, yeah, we have a Discord.
1: If anyone finds anything on that, could could you let me know? Could you let us know? (laughs) Because I wanna know so much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, link in the episode description to join the Discord. And yeah, any any are welcome. I'm gonna link all our sources this week because they have the various languages this has been recorded in, and then also english and the internet is kind of monoculturing this rhyme mm, but absolutely. in only some languages these have been recorded because you know uh, there's only a few scientific or scholarly people bothering to say i should study eeny meeny mani mo and record it for posterior like a lot of people are saying no i'm going to split atoms and, and do amazing things even <laughs> though this is cool too
3: yeah i like that they there's some kind of perceived branching of career choices of i can either study eeny meeny miny mo or split atoms there's nothing nothing else <laughs> nothing in the middle there
0: yeah it's like robert eeny meeny miny Moppenheimer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes. i mean arguably we would live in a safer world if he'd just studied nursery rhymes <laughs> oh, that was great <laughs>
0: And and I said this was a mega takeaway, this theory of it comes from regular people counting as they go about their day. There's also two caveats with that. One is that the the Opie's work is kind of just one set of work. We're just lacking a lot of other scholars looking at this. But the other caveat is that the Internet can often have myths about things like children's rhymes. And one of of the biggest ones is ring around the rosy Uh, I'm going to link the Library of Congress debunking the idea that that has to do with the plague Mm. for a lot of reasons, but mainly the huge variety of words that can be for the song Ring Around the Rosie. We think that's just people on the Internet like inventing something fun sounding and not actually what's going on there.
1: That doesn't surprise me, but I was so convinced that that was what it was. I feel like I've been told that for so long.
0: Me too.
2: I feel like remembering learning about that being a huge thing for me and my peers have been like, oh, my goodness, what, that's what yeah. that nursery rhyme's all about. And now I'm, like, having a bit of a moment and knowing that it's not
3: what that's about. I feel a little bit disappointed. Betrayed.
0: I guess I just kind of chucked us into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... Yeah.
3: <laughs> Next you're going to tell me that Three Blind Mice was not about The War of the Roses. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> the library of congress says that the the main reason we think ring around the rosie is not plague stuff is that there's tons of other versions of the lyrics in one version everyone gets back up after falling down uh, lots of other versions leave out words that have been interpreted as physical signs of plague and most of them seem to bring up rosies or posies in a literal way where it's just flowers so you you have to like Really drill down to one extremely specific version and post about it on Reddit a lot to like get to <laughs> the idea that it's about the plague. But I was totally taught that by either school friends or the internet and had that same experience. I was like, "Whoa!" And yeah. so yeah. the point with "Eeny, meeny, miny, moe" is I think this OP theory feels solid because it's pretty loose and not overclaiming, mm. right? You know, but there's some overclaims about children's rhymes online.
3: Well, the ring around the rosy thing, I think it's interesting because I think there's this tendency to when we look at like horrifying things in the past, we imagine that, well, people were used to death. They were used to horrible things like even the children would sing about it. So it's not so bad because people just kind of expected things to be terrible and they were jaded. <laughs> and I think that's kind of wishful thinking. I think infor- like this idea that like, well, people really didn't get attached to their children because they were expecting them to die. And I don't think any of that's true. I think it was just really painful uh, and hard to be a human yeah. back during the plague. So I think that sometimes we try to come up with ideas of like, well, human psychology was just different back then. And it's like... I don't think it was so different necessarily. Obviously the culture was very different, but I think that like people going through something horrible, like a plague, I think that they probably really took it very seriously and suffered a lot. And I think that, some of the myths that we come up with about the plague is an attempt to kind of make ourselves feel better about like, well, yes, it seemed like a horrible time, but I think people, they were just used to people dropping down dead. So, so much so that the children were singing songs about it and maybe that's our attempt to cope.
1: Yeah. That's such a good point. I think that all ties back into the way that we often diminish like the capabilities either emotional or intelligence wise of human beings in history. Ultimately modern Mm -hmm. humans have been the same in kind of emotional and brain capacity for thousands of years. Yes. And it's like um it's kind of like with pyramids, you know. Uh, the ability, like ancient yeah. Egyptians' ability to build pyramids, you say, how could they have possibly done that? Then well, aliens, the same must way, must have we- been, aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yes, been aliens. Yeah, exactly. Got to be the aliens. No, this exact same way we would have thought to do it if we didn't have the same technology we have now, which is possible. So, and it's like that kind of thing. I think applies there as well.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, that reminds me of there used to be these like recipes for medicine, essentially, and in uh, I wish I could remember her name, but she was a researcher uh, who looked into like these old recipes for various medicines and and they would have things like saying certain prayers while you mix ingredients, like for, say, like a a, a recipe for something to to cure like a sty in your eye, like a, a bacterial growth. It was like an acidic mixture that had like onion and various things in it and it also included like saying a certain religious prayer and the way it was viewed was like well they're superstitious so they think saying this prayer will cause some kind of magic to happen with the medication but this researcher believed that the saying the prayer was just a method of timing it cuz you don't have a stopwatch back in that in the in ancient times and by saying this prayer, you are basically timing the chemical reaction. I think they tried to like recreate this uh, medication using the methods, and it was something that actually did have some antibacterial properties. Not as good as modern medicine, but it seemed to have some impact on on that bacteria.
0: That's amazing. That's kind of my favorite thing to learn about this, saying that it was useful to not just children and... It was for everybody when it started out. Mm. That's, that's just, we think of it as such a kid thing. And I, I think it's mainly because adults all have clocks now. And, and just like silly reasons. But <laughs> yeah. but it, it was for everybody when it started out and for regular people.
3: It's such an adult thing to get your first clock. I remember on my 18th birthday, <laughs> I was presented with this beautiful right. cl- clock. It's like, you're a woman now. I still,
1: <laughs> I still don't own a clock.
3: I have never well, owned a
1: clock in my life.
2: Actually, saying that the only clock I have in my flat right now is owned by my landlord and I have to leave it here when I move out. So actually <laughs> I also <gasps> I don't landlords own a are clock. landlords wow. are the
1: keepers of clocks.
2: <laughs> I didn't know I was talking. I'm not an adult, I don't own a clock. <laughs> I didn't know I was talking
3: to a couple of children. Wow.
0: Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't believe I've never owned a clock. Isn't that a weird
2: thing to realize, Ella? You own two cats and you don't have a clock. Like they, that's
3: so. They re-
1: can't tell the time. They <laughs> <it> does not matter.
3: <laughs> Actually, meow mix. Meow mix is a song that cats use to tell time. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, meow mix. The meow mix song. Oh, I, I want like chicken. I want I liver. Like liver. Meow mix. Meow, meow, mix, mix, meow mix. Please, please deliver. deliver. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: I was I was about to wonder if America's greatest cultural work had progressed to the UK. Let me song. <laughs> <laughs> <That> is... <laughs> our
3: greatest cultural export
0: <laughs> Well folks, that's that's our first mega takeaway. And we have a couple more takeaways to get into after a short break. Stick around.
3: We'll be back in two or three eeny, meeny miny moes. <laughs> <laughs> because
0: of both of you oh subscribe to jordan jesse go a comedy show for grown-ups folks we are back me and katie are joined as we said by two of our wonderful friends from the let's learn everything podcast ella hubber and caroline roper we are also back with two more takeaways the the last one is very scientific but this next one here fair warning to folks somewhat bleak This uh this is not usually a bleak podcast but this topic that folks selected. It turns out there's a dark chapter in American history with it.
3: Oh no! Oh.
0: The US uh, was, I
1: was worried uh, about this. I know what it is. To,
2: yeah, okay. I, I think I might also know. Well, no, I know like very surface level. Yeah, I mean I think surface. About what you're about to talk about, levels, but yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I had a vague. Possibly is that part of it when people first suggested to the topic, and we'll get into it. Takeaway number two: the main version of "Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo" in the United States was super racist for many decades, mm-hmm. and that also got spread worldwide partly by Rudyard Kipling.
3: Mm, right. uh, I, didn't,
0: I didn't know the Kipling part, but the he
3: strikes again.
0: The super basics here, folks. Is for for a lot of the 1800s and 1900s the most common U.S. version of this featured the N word
3: yeah. instead yeah.
0: of tiger. It has changed at some point in a way we can't track to being not that horrible thing anymore. Mm. Uh, but it's worth like being aware of this, especially because a few people pass it around still.
2: Oh uh, yeah, I know people who are in their 50s and 60s who are still using this
1: yeah.
0: version
2: of the rhyme. Oh, the yeah. one with the epithet. So it's still in it? prevalent here.
1: Yeah. It was de- oh it God. was definitely yeah. exported around the world like I heard that as a child
3: yikes really? yeah
0: and it was wow. it was almost definitely coined by the United States so so we also think British folks developed just the innocent counting rhyme with various Barcelonas and so on, and then the United States did this thing with it.
3: I wish so. Miamix was our only cultural export
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: You you hit it here, folks. British people, never
1: racist. Never the <laughs> racist. Yeah. No, just, just never, never, never. Don't look into that. Yeah. Don't look into it. <laughs> Don't fact check that one. So was adding the
3: tiger in it the attempt to um, neutralize the racism, yeah. or did the tiger version mm-hmm. predate the uh, racist version?
0: It's definitely the first thing and could be the second thing as well. Okay. And there's no, like wonderful person that we can credit with coining the tiger version that replaced it. But basically what happened is people in the U.S. took a counting rhyme and some of them made it about American slavery and about like specifically the concept of catching black people who were free, like fleeing that situation. Like that's that's where that all comes from. And, you know, the the N word has fallen out of usage for basically everybody You know, you hope. And so that is how it has changed. And and people just as a group seem to have agreed that we'll talk about tigers instead in in a way that feels like nonsense again.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not just the epithet that I mean, that's enough, right, to make it awful. But the topic of it is so disgusting because it's, you know, people fleeing one of the most horrendous institutions in history, chattel slavery. And gr- gruesomely cruel things like sending dogs after them, you know, and then, of course, yeah, yeah. put it in like a cutesy little rhyme is really sickening. Mm.
0: Yeah. And and unfortunately, it was popular, especially in the late 1800s. One of, one of the only other scholars on this is an American chemist named Henry Carrington Bolton, who like moonlighted as a folklorist. And in a survey of school kids he did in 1888, he found that the N-word version was far and away the main U.S. one. And and that's a couple decades after slavery was abolished. It's it's oh. like the, the good news is I, as a kid, had never heard that version. And I think a lot of people have not heard that version. We've really moved past it in many ways. But yeah. uh, if you ever run across someone on the Internet saying, like, please don't do eeny, meeny, miny, Mo," this will probably be why.
3: Yeah. I mean, because it wasn't that long ago and like uh either uh ella or caroline said that some people still say it so it's uh yeah yeah you know it's still uh it hasn't while we've certainly improved in terms of not using uh the racist version of the rhyme it's like it's kind of shocking how close in history these things are
0: the, the one way it got exported out of the U.S. besides Americans spreading it is that in 1935, British author Rudyard Kipling published mm. a collection called Land and Sea Tales for Scouts and Guides. And this was pretty much just Kipling writing down what kids were saying at the time in the 1930s. But he recorded this version along with others and he was a huge hit author. So his book sold and, and that's yeah. part of how it got out there.
1: I think that's why it's such a holdover. Like why Caroline, Caroline and I would have heard yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It it's because Kipling is pretty, pretty famous here, obviously. Um, yeah. So it would make sense that especially the older generation would have heard that would through. Still
2: have yeah. that. Yeah. I feel like it's so silly though because it's such a when there's such prevalent versions that don't include that in it circulating now. Yeah. It's so absurd to me that it, there is still that version. That comes out of people first. Oh, no. You know?
1: like, yeah, but they do it on purpose. Uh, they do it because they feel like, because they're like, you can't stop me from saying things. Sorry. I'm just, mm. I, oh, well, I get no, so annoyed having these conversations with older people. I have,
2: a, I have a person in my life who uses that version, who we call out for it every single time. It's oh, so frustrating now. Yeah. And like, every time it happens, they do say like, oh, I just, I just forgot about it. And, like, I feel like there's, like... Mm, sure. There's just, like, it's not even that they're... I mean, no, they are clearly racist for saying that stuff. It's awful. But, no, actually, no, I'm going to leave that sentence there. They are racist for saying that sort of stuff. <laughs> there is also this thing of, like, yep. not putting in any effort to not do it, right. which is just as bad, you know? Like, not necessarily always being actively racist, but then not putting that mm. effort into not be racist on top of that which is incredibly frustrating being around this person
0: that's all that's all dead on because we really are pretty past it it was pretty hard to find modern examples of people doing it the one celebrity example of this really bad version is it was 2014
1: oh Oh, come on and unfortunately there is
0: was a british television show where car weirdo jeremy clarkson
1: oh that guy Uh, where jeremy clarkson is a massive racist so and just like a generally hated public figure in the uk now
3: didn't he like literally assault someone on set or something yeah he punched one of the
1: producers in the face for not giving him Uh the right food or something Uh
0: Yeah, apparently the BBC told him they would fire him if he did one more racist thing. And then before that could happen, <laughs> he assaulted this producer and they fired him for that. So it's that kind of guy. But
3: so you get like, you get like one free racism pass?
0: And he complained about it, too. Oh he said God. that even the angel Gabriel would have a hard time with the pressure of not saying another racist thing.
2: Shut up. Are you kidding I'm me? i not paraphrasing. I didn't know you said that. Yeah.
0: So oh. it's tough. Uh
2: but it's fine because he was kicked off the BBC and is now with Amazon Prime. Perfect! Yeah, so cancelled. He got so uh. cancelled
3: that now he has an entirely he new really, platform.
2: He really felt the repercussions of his behaviour there, didn't he?
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> he only still drives cars with his friends. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then on top of this, some folks are asking that Eeny, Meeny, Miny, mo" not be said in general. And maybe the most complex case of it was in 2017, the UK retailer Primark removed a Walking Dead t-shirt from their inventory. Because oh. the TV show Walking Dead had like a big cliffhanger where a villain character used Eeny, Meeny, Miny, mo" before choosing someone to execute. And uh-huh. so they... Yeah. They made a T-shirt yeah. of just his picture and the words "Eeny, meeny, miny, moe," and it's not this N-word version. But either for that history or for the general grossness of a super violent villain shirt, people asked that it be taken off shelves, and the actor complained about it on Twitter. And so this this can get very complicated and multi layered about what is otherwise a children's rhyme about tigers.
1: I feel like part of that might be t- t- just to do with like feelings of like potential violence. If it, if it's for kids, that that shirt. Potential yeah. violence yeah. in like yeah. schools that that can incite. Um, it, exactly. I, I imagine if you'd sold that in like the states, for example, that would have had pretty bad <gasps> implications along with it um, in terms True. of school violence. So I can see why that would be taken away.
0: Yeah, it's gruesome.
3: It's also just really tropey to me. the, like, here's a here's a children's rhyme, or here's like child like like nursery music combined with something horrific like can we just be done with that trope
0: right yeah yep. if, you, if you direct a children's choir stop doing spooky covers of songs <laughs> we, I don't like it it makes trailers scary
1: maybe I'm we... just trying to see
0: the movie after the trailer stop it <laughs> uh, off of all that past and present cultural meaning with it we have a last takeaway that's much more scientific Gotta get into child development which is fun Yeah. Uh, but Ooh. Here we go into takeaway number three. Eeny meeny miny moe is one sign that babies and young children might understand counting before they understand numbers. Like it's it's sorta of hard to separate those two processes. No, but it's
1: it's not in a way yeah. because we've been talking about it. Like the idea if you're crocheting and you're doing eeny, meeny miny mo, it's it's that's counting without numbers, right? So yeah, that makes so yeah. much sense. It's, yeah. It's like babies um, can understand like language without speech because babies right. um, um, will learn sign language quicker than they will learn to speak.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. turns out. They learn the cadence of speech and the general... They actually can kind of learn... Not exactly grammatical structure, but the cadence of grammatical structure before they actually learn it. Like babbling is a very important stage of child development Mm. because it's showing that they're, Mm -hmm. it's not just like nonsense stuff. It's them actually learning the cadence of words and of grammar. Like there's this adorable video. It's one of my favorite videos next to the baby quails in space. (laughs) It's these two... (laughs) Uh, I think they're like, they look like they're about one, maybe almost toddlers. I know and this video just,
1: immediately. You I'm, know what I'm talking yeah, about. It's so and good. They're,
3: they're twins <laughs> yeah. and they're babbling to each other. Oh, nonsense words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And it's not real language, but they have the cadence of a conversation down perfectly. So it's just, it's nonsense words. There's no real words, nothing. But they have the, they they are imitating perfectly the cadence of a conversation. And it really seems like it's a rugrat situation where they have some secret baby language that they're talking to each other and understanding. It's amazing.
1: I think if I remember correctly from that video, especially they have like the question cadence where you know you go up at the end. So, yes. and then for oh. like, a, like a call and response. And that exactly. is exactly like so indicative of their ability to like understand those
3: things. And hand gestures too, like the ha ba 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 yeah. ba-, da, ah- ba-, you- ba-, da, ba ba da, ba da, ba da, ba da, ba 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 ba
0: ba ba yeah, it's like the computer game, The Sims. I love it. Great. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this study here is basically one study and then follow up work on it by colleagues at Johns Hopkins University and at Rutgers University, based on the idea that most kids start understanding number words around age three or four in a concrete way. Mm-hmm. But Professor Lisa Feigenson and her colleague Dr. Jinjin Jenny Wang ran an experiment in 2019 with kids as old as 20 months or as even as young as 14 months. And they would pull toys out of boxes in front of the kids, and they would either count the toys with numbers, like one, two, three, four, or they would just say the same generic word, such as this, 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 and this. Mm. And interestingly, the kids had an easier time tracking the amounts of toys if the researchers used number words. Like, the kids do not understand the numbers yet. Just the action of the counting increases their understanding of the amounts.
1: Hmm. Okay. Oh, wow.
2: Which
0: is really cool.
2: Wow, that's so young as well. Like, I would never... From three years to, like, what was it?
0: Like, down to 14 months. So a year and two months. Wow.
2: That's so... Yeah. That's crazy.
0: And they're doing follow-up work. They're trying to figure out... Maybe it's because of the stable order of numerical counting words, like you're kind of picking them up from people who speak your language. It, it could be the one-to-one relationship between items and the numbers, but this whole study and possible phenomenon, it helps explain the popularity of stuff like eeny, meeny, miny, mo." Like, if kids mm-hmm. can count before they can totally do numbers... There's this zone in your life where eeny meeny miny mo is like perfect. That's that's the exact thing you want to do. It
2: fills that gap, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I find that cool uh, that anybody's finding that out too. Like also finally more research into how kids work. Great. Like let's think about it. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah.
3: I mean, it's so interesting because children are. I mean, this has been, uh, it was quite a huge debate for a long time in linguistics, but there's a general idea that children are born with certain structures, sort of like pre-programmed with structures, not with the language itself. You're not born knowing English or French or Spanish or whatever, but you're born with certain, an innate ability to pick up on language really quickly in a similar way that birds are born with the innate ability to pick up on birdsong. And there's this crystallization period. It's why... When I talk about like birds and people kind of it's not just that like parrots can mimic human language. It's that birds and human beings both have similar language learning patterns as Mm. babies. And like if you teach children to be bilingual, they can pick up languages just incredibly quickly. I'm trying to learn Italian. I'm so jealous of babies. Babies are so (laughs) much smarter than me when it comes to learning a language. It's it's Mm. like. It's I feel so defeated sometimes because I, I talked to a friend who has a, a young child and they were like, oh, yeah, the, they picked up uh, they picked up this new language in like six months. I'm like, I've been trying to learn this for two years and it's so hard because you've your brain has kind of passed this crystallization period. It doesn't mean you can't learn a new language at any age. It just means it's harder. And so it's really, yeah, it's really interesting because it sounds like from these studies, it's like children have this like they're they're born with and then quickly absorb these kind of rhythmic numerical structures mm, mm-hmm.
1: yeah and caroline hinted to this before as well but that's especially um, important for making new sounds in languages like like with yeah. Cosa and and welsh there's a left a double l which is <laughs> i don't know Ooh. yeah Ooh. Ooh. I don't even do it properly, but there you go. But children can just, <laughs> like their mouths, I don't know, the ability to like shape, them, <laughs> do the things that we can't figure. Yeah. Even like yeah. rolling R's in like Spanish or something, or in Welsh as well. Like children pick that stuff up so quickly, the ability to do that, which I'm so, it's just so impressive. You're so moldable.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This
2: this is coming from somebody who is learning to speak Welsh at the moment, and that, that sounds so about right hard. to be honest. <laughs> <It's> so hard.
1: <laughs> I really feel you, Katie.
0: <laughs> we we saw your book earlier of teach your cat Welsh. Now I'm imagining also like teach your foolish adult a language, yeah. and the adult's face is like, ah, you know, like.
1: <laughs> My cats know better Welsh than I do, so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey folks, that's the main episode for this week. Welcome to the outro with fun features for you, such as help remembering this episode with a run back through the big takeaways. Mega takeaway number one, Eeny Meeny Miney Moe has unclear origins, probably rooted in the centuries-old tradition of counting out rhymes. Two caveats with that: this is just one theory, and the internet is often wrong and overclaiming about children's rhymes, such as "Ring Around the Rosie." Takeaway number two: the main version of "Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Moe" was super racist for many decades, due to United States culture and also due to Rudyard Kipling. And takeaway number three: "Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Moe" is one sign that babies might understand counting before they understand numbers. Those are the takeaways. Also, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show or support Let's Learn Everything or support any of our buddies at MaximumFun.org, members get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is the Ithaca Kitty, another extremely strange children's fad based on a stripy cat. Visit SIFpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than 13 dozen other secretly incredibly fascinating bonus shows, and a catalog of all sorts of Max Fun bonus shows, like special Let's Learn Everything audio. It's special. It's just for members. Thank you for being somebody who backs this podcast operation. Additional fun things? Check out our research sources on this episode's page at MaximumFun.org. Key sources this week include a piece for the Paris Review by poet and researcher Adrian Raphael, and further digital resources from the Smithsonian, Vox.com, The Guardian, and more. That page also features resources such as native-land.ca. I'm using those to acknowledge that I recorded this in Lenapehoking, the traditional land of the Muncie Lenape people, also the Wappinger people, as well as the Mohican people, Skadigoke people, and others. Also, Katie taped this in Italy. Ella and Caroline each taped this in the UK. I want to acknowledge that in my location, in many other locations in the Americas and elsewhere, Native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode, and join the free SIF Discord, where we're sharing stories and resources about Native people and life. There is a link in this episode's description to join that Discord. We're also talking about this episode on the Discord, and hey... Would you like a tip on another episode? Because each week I'm finding you something randomly incredibly fascinating by running all the past episode numbers through a random number generator. This week's pick is episode 103. That's about the topic of the color green. And that is one of six SIF episodes about colors. We have entire podcasts about green, gray, blue, orange, magenta, and maybe my favorite from a premise perspective, beige. So I recommend those episodes. I also recommend the podcast, Let's Learn Everything, hosted by our friends Ella Hubber and Caroline Roper and our friend Tom Lum. It's right here on Maximum Fun, and then their website is letslearneverything.com. I also recommend my co-host Katie Golden's weekly podcast, Creature Feature, about animals, science, and more. Our theme music is Unbroken, Unshaven by the Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Special thanks also to the Beacon AV Lab for taping support and more. Extra, extra special thanks go to our members. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more secretly incredibly fascinating... So how about that? Talk to you then. Maximum Fun.
3: A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.